Herper-derper-derper-derper-der. Well spunked. Have you not been hearing me? Oh man, the goon! Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sorry the neurons aren't firing today. Yes, it is. Exactly. Cleanses the palate with zombies. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Did I just have a stroke? That's a valuable misprint, sir. And now, your hosts, Luke Matthews. So, for the last uh, two weeks, we've been reading um, some comic book that is about stuff. And Bean. I think the only no. fictitious one was the ones that were naked and also assassins, kind of, and had strange Russian blacklight tattoos. Joel Simon. And some guys, if you're down on your luck, you, you would like to see somebody throw you a bone and, you know, have sex in, in a bathroom. And Andy Padel. Okay, that is a totally valid point. And I'll agree with that. However, the most important thing that I've taken out of your past uh, two minutes of discussion is that you know what the Intrepids were. Everybody's here. Yeah. We can start talking about the show. Yay. Sweet. Not on business trips. Okay. Anyway. Wait a second. When was the last one where everyone was there? Uh, Three episodes ago, I think. Echo Lake. Really? The last one I did. Super Truck and Boring Girl. Super Truck? Oh. That's sad. sad. Welcome, everybody, to episode 13 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am Luke Matthews, and I am here with the Trade Secrets crew, Andy Padel. Hey. Joel Simon. Howdy ho, my hoary hosts. (laughs) And and Bean. Hello. And don't forget, Multimix 8. (laughs) <laughs> yes, Multimix is here with us today. Uh, there has not been <laughs> there has not been beer spilled up upon it. Uh, the PAX podcasts threatened that several times, but uh, we managed to make it out alive. You just need okay. plastic sheeting all over it. Uh, this week show, two week whatever span of time, we are going to be talking about Cullen Bunn and Matt Kent's The Tooth and Sean Lee. Sean Lee's also a writer on it, but you know nobody cares about Sean Lee. <laughs> You're a dick. (laughs) (laughs) No, was he the Uh, writer or was he the inker? He was one of the writers. Uh, Sean Lee and and Cullen Bunn were the writers, uh, and Matt Kent was the artist. Um, It is uh, an interesting, interesting book. But before we move on to it, let's uh, let's see what we always do. And I'll I'll explain for everybody, just so you know, there are people in my house that are not podcasting, which is why you'll hear conversation stuff going on in the background. We're not recording from a bar. So no, we should be, but you can no, pretend we shouldn't. That we are. There's plenty of alcohol Beercast around here. Beercast says we should not. <laughs> Beercast says hello. Day one of PAX podcast say hello. <laughs> hey, the, the hangover one. over the into- ensuing the, two days. Day two of, of hangover was pretty, that was a pretty impressive hangover. But that was also, that was not because of the podcast. That was because of me double fisting Long Island iced teas at the fucking IGN party. I'm just saying, whoa, I started, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> what sorority are you in? What? No, it was like a half hour hey, my line. My ties the- are a man's drink, all right? <laughs> it was like a half hour line to the bar. So I got to the bar and I'm like, I don't want to wait in this fucking line maximum again. So alcohol. I like maximum alcohol. And yeah. then that came back to bite me in the ass because I don't remember most of that night. Yeah. So I remember you texting me at one in the morning being like, can I crush at your place? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did if that I because because uh, Christina wanted to go home and I was still hanging out. So I was like, uh, maybe I can crash somewhere local. And that didn't happen because he had already passed out oh, from yeah, all the was- alcohol he drank. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> 
get the message. Yeah, that's at the difference. Is ten a.m. the uh, next morning. I'm like, I, God, I hope he's not dead in a ditch. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could have found some kind of Pax orgy going on in a hotel. Oh, I'm God. sure it probably could have happened. Dude, but you could have climbed in between the beanbags. <gasps> oh. <gasps> Oh, God. alcohol kills germs, <laughs> and you, sir, were alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. So we'll start the way we always start, and I start with Anne, so you don't forget what it is you have in your brain. Thank you. Uh, what have you been reading lately? Um, mostly, I have been reading things for grad school. However, one of the things for grad school was a comic. Woo! <laughs> um, I read Black Hole by Charles Burns, and um, that was. That was good fun. That's it's a book that was originally put out by Fantagraphics. It the premise is that there's sort of a there's an STD that causes not superpowers, but like the crappy mutations. version mutations, crappy mutations like shedding your skin or having a tail or having you know distorted facial features. And um, mm. the brilliant thing about so it is that mutations, actual not mutations, not stupid Marvel mutations, not stupid Marvel mutations. And the brilliant thing about it is it doesn't really like that's the mechanic, but that's it's kind of kind of a, a, a MacGuffin, if you will. Like, okay, um, it's all about the stories of the people and like the fact that they're mutated and angsty teenagers is actually is quintessential to it. But it's not really the story doesn't really focus on the like mechanics of the magical universe, which is why I think it's a really good book. Um, the other thing that I read at some point in the library was. Uh, the thing that I was considering as an alternative to Echo that I'm kind of sad that I didn't choose instead of Echo, which is um, <laughs> I read The First Trade of Air by G. Willow Wilson, just because I've been Air. meaning to read some G. Willow Wilson. I've seen this, but I've not read it. Like I've It's um, like action-adventure story involving terrorists okay, and it's, stewardesses. Yeah, it was a Vertigo title from two years ago. Yeah. 26 issues. Yeah. Yeah. So that w- that was interesting. Interesting enough that I will not necessarily buy, but certainly seek out the rest of the trades and read the rest of the series. Wouldn't okay. pay money for it, but I'll totally steal it from a library. That's <laughs> right. How many issues was the trade that you read? Um, Do you know? Six. Yeah. Huh. And I'm taking a drink, people. Fill the <laughs> no, space. No, no, no. no, no we'll space. Just, we'll just stare a, at that's you what happens when Luke and I out. each <laughs> take <laughs> sips at the same time. Painful, awkward silence. See, I'm talking right now while Luke drinks, and then Luke will pipe in with something in a second. All right, Joel, Absolutely. high five for silence. Yeah. Woo! Exactly. <laughs> oh. We're contemplating no. over here. Past that, I've been like in in a cloister, a cloister yeah. of grad school. Cloistering. <laughs> that doesn't sound nice. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, it is. Self-inflicted cloistering. 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 Cloist. Cloistering. <laughs> the word, uh, that word just, uh, it's, I am the, a the more you say it, the dirtier it sounds. Cloistering. Yeah. Mm, I'm cloistering. And we were talking about nerd baiting earlier. Yeah. <laughs> were you in a rubber cloister? <laughs> oh. I don't know. Yeah, even worse. <laughs> My brain broke. What are you reading? <laughs> I, I was reading uh, Ultimate Power. So this was, I was reading, it's the culmination of all the Supreme Power and Squadron Supreme that I was reading. And uh, it was pretty good. It was a crossover from from Ultimates and Supreme Power, and they even brought in the Squadron Supreme from the Marvel Universe too. So it was a, it was a good fun run. It's done. It was nine issues, and the first three were done by Bendis. <clears throat> the next three were done by Straczynski, and and the last three were done by uh, Loeb. So it was. It was oh, a, fucking Jeff Loeb. Well, they, yeah, they gave the last of it too. It's like, <laughs> please, you know, clean, clean up what mess we've made. 
So. Right, because he's the guy you want cleaning up your messes. <laughs> he's the guy that makes messes. Well, yeah, I guess he does. He it does a hell of a job doing Lobo. Lobo? So I think the yeah I know the main man. That's because that's because Lobo doesn't require any story structure or wrapping up any loose ends. So he's great at that. <laughs> is everyone <laughs> dead? <laughs> no, then the story is not over. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> he needs to go out and kill some more. Did Lobo do Batman Hush? Yes, he did. Yeah. Okay, I think that's like the only thing of his that I've read, and I read it completely out of context of reading anything by DC ever. And I seem to recall liking it. At Jeff Lobe and Jim Lee. Yeah, yeah, it was all right. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not as big of a hush proponent as other people. I wish I had brought bought the uh, third best Batman story. What was it called? The hush unwrapped. No, oh. the unwrapped one, which was like, um, it was just Jim Lee's pencils, Ooh. and then lettered like normal, and then with annotations. So you can understand the story. <laughs> <laughs> and that that oh. seemed that seemed pretty interesting. Hey, like, thank uh, you. Which is funny because the other thing I was reading was uh, Batman. It was the Batman and Son. It's what I kind of like, Sanford and Son. Hey, you know what would be a great... That's good. I just read that, actually. It's good good stuff. Hey, hey, you know what would be a great Batman story for you to read? What? What's that? My copy of The Long Halloween that I lent you a year and a half ago now. (laughs) Was it a year and a half? (laughs) It's been a year and a half. You've had Swamp Thing for three years now, so... Yeah, Andy loves his databases, so whenever he lends you something, he keeps it down... In his archives. Oh, I do too. Okay, I write down shit that That's I learned. That's a good out. plan because I don't write down shit. And I'm going to write down the books. F- exactly. He's is a little like Satan, like that. I'm going to write down that copy of Uncharted that I'm loaning you, and oh, shit. hope that I get it back someday. You, you will uh-huh. Some, someday. I, the game's only eleven hours long, sir. So you it not, better not take you that long. It took me eleven wait, hours wait. the first time I played how, through. How about it. we not talk about video games? What? We cover a little bit of everything. So it's like I, I'm so like I want to differentiate the podcast so I can separate them in my brain. I'm loading. Uh, I'm yeah. loaning him Uncharted. I can talk about Uncharted. If 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 you can yell titties on every episode of the show, then I can I can talk about Uncharted for a minute. <laughs> titties are every single are relevant episode. to comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they really are. And, and you got to get the, the connotation right. It's it's more like. <laughs> so uh, and it's kind of funny because uh it's done by grant morrison and good stuff he, yeah he, he loves throws, his drugs he, he does he does love and his drugs. how um and and he also there was now you guys say that it wasn't but there was the, the whole scene where robin comes back and damien damien who's batman's son and batman are there listeners are cannot up. see me just shaking my head right awkward now. homoeroticism anyone exactly. why sure yeah, i think it was homoeroticism no, it's just Look, Robin, this won't change anything between us now that my son's back. Yeah. It, it's like, is it possible you can have a son? It's possible. And, and I'll say the same thing I said to you when we were talking about this the other day. It is entirely possible for Batman and, and Tim Drake to have a relationship that does not involve sexual anything yeah. that might be fucked up by Batman's son coming in. All right? He's a fucking yes. father figure. Yes. But it, it's the Greek. whole fact that Tim Drake was... <laughs> uh, Hey. He's an acrobat, <laughs> um, and it's just the fact that he was questioning so vehemently that what you actually had sex with someone and had a kid without telling me that that kind of stuff <laughs> without telling me. I was a little worried about. It. And then um, Wildcat, you, you, you fucked somebody other than Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> the bat cave metaphor gets a little bit creepy at this point. <laughs> Ooh. Robin, I want you to go deep into the bowels of the Batcave. <laughs> I rolled my giant penny into her Batcave. <laughs> what does it do with the giant penny? I mean, you're getting off. Oh, jeez. Where did he get the giant penny? I'm not... Two-Face. That, that was from... Yeah, it's from an old Detective Comics. 
where he was going to get squished with it yeah. by Two Face. Okay. So the other side all marred. And <laughs> I like, want to be a supervillain that crafts like giant yes. icons of my yeah. psychological issues and tries to kill people. <laughs> the, the tragic thing is like Two Face spent you know years crafting this giant penny and then had like five minutes to be like, okay, how am I going to tie Batman to the table? <laughs> and he twine. That'll be it. fine. <laughs> that worked just great. Yeah, just drug him. You know, lay him down there. Uh, it was um, before the days of zip ties. So uh, so. The best episode of the Batman animated series is called The Time He Got Away, or I, I Almost Got Him, and it's in our, it takes place, the entire thing is in oh, Arkham Asylum. yeah, I remember it's that Joker, one. Two-Face, The Penguin, and um, Solomon Grundy, and they're all talking about how they came so close to killing the Batman, and the, the Joker, you know, had this nefarious scheme, Batman got out of it, uh, Penguin had this incredibly intricate plan batman got out of it two-face spent you know years planning out how to take out the batman finally batman got out of it solomon grundy's like i hit him with a rock <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, nice. he, and like and it shows like you know little clips of what actually happened solomon Gun- grundy got closer because by rock it was like a fucking boulder and he hit batman <laughs> with it. isn't that the one also where you don't know they're in arkham until the end yeah until the end like you see them having this conversation and then you realize that they're all they're in all in sense. arkham now yeah. because they failed yeah. small little cloisters Loisting away. Why would yeah. you let those criminals be in the same room together? Uh, just what I'm thinking. Uh, you I mean, got me. Yeah. Uh, so, what else are you reading, Joel? Uh, Wildcats 2.0, year two. Wildcats 3.0, year two. Oh, what, what did I read again? Anyway. <laughs> it's uh, about batteries. Yeah, it's it's about batteries, and and uh, the, the whole corporation is moving forward with their... their Everyone needs batteries for their clothes. Energy state. efficient. Especially batteries that run cars without gas. Yeah, they're energy-efficient cars that don't run on oil or anything, and so the president is is sending assassins after wow. Jack Marlowe. That's pretty good. God damn. That was like something out of Jurassic Park. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to look the up and see the, be like, clever girl, as the, the, the velociraptor <laughs> takes me out. Um, and so it's, the government's trying to take him out, but um, th- one of the funniest things is they have – so Grifter – has his legs broken, so he's running around in a wheelchair. So they figured out to use this cyborg girl that he can Cloist. manipulate. Yeah, he it's, can um, manipulate in a cloister of gunk that <laughs> yes. he uses, you know, to to move her around. So it's kind of weird having this guy that's using. She's a in a, he's robot. in a wheelchair puppeteering some chick. Well, okay, yeah. so it's kind of like Avatar. Uh, she was a serial killer from the second Wildcat series. Okay, and. That was when, like, towards the end of that, it's when Wildcats like, we're just going to start killing people. We don't even care anymore. We're, we're tired. We're, we yeah. just don't want to deal with it. So they just start, you know, taking out people. And they basically destroyed this girl's, I don't know, about from her belly button down, took out most of, like, both her arms. <laughs> like, she was wow. just a stump. And they replaced it all with cybernetics. And, you know, they had this shell. My question is, why didn't they just use that technology on Grifter? That's what I was going to say. <laughs> if they could Good replace question. her legs and everything. I mean... Cyberforce proved enough that they could, you know, that in that universe, well, I suppose that by that Cyber time Force it was is a different universe. Uh, well, it? see, that's what I was going to say is like by that time it was, it wasn't when they started because they were all technically, all of those image books were in the same universe when they started. But by the time Wildstorm split off and became part of DC, I think it kind of, everything kind of got separated and it wasn't, they were no longer in the same universe. So. So the only sort of continuity that I can think of... Well, actually, wasn't Cyberforce a Wildstorm book eventually? Didn't, didn't it 
because I can't remember that's where Mark the one Silvestri- that I care the least. About. I know I can't remember where Mar- uh, Mark Silvestri's like allegiances were. So I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of what the uh, there was two books specifically from the whole Image Wildstorm series that I really enjoyed that were team books. Uh, one was Wildcats. The other one was the whole vampires and werewolves fighting each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't think of the name of the book though. Yeah. I actually, uh, on a complete, you know, another a side note to our side note, um, I saw that. Uh, remember, I, I told you the story about getting my Young Blood number one signed by the writer Hank Canals. I found out that guy is the director of digital at DC now. Huh. Like, Doesn't he, he hasn't me. written hardly anything like worth a shit since Young Blood, and even Young Blood wasn't that great you at the time. You want to make money in the entertainment but industry? Yeah. Go into production. Yeah, yeah no producer. Shit. So, anyway, Wildcats 2.0 or 3.0. Oh, Wildcats 3 4 year, year two. 17th yeah. point two something. I don't know. Yeah. Third parsec. Uh, it, yeah, that Extreme. Much it. Well, it, you know, they. Well, the end of it is pretty much they get away from the whole corporation and trying to save the world or change the world. And the last half of the book is pretty much them trying to save another character that got captured by this um, female assassin unit. And. And one of the the top female assassins that they send after him looked just like Boba Fett, like a female Boba Fett. It's Codas. Yeah, huh. the Codas or something. Yeah, like oh, that. it goes it goes into the Coda War. Oh, okay. Stuff. Okay. Are you guys familiar with the yeah. Coda? Yeah, War? I mean, I've I read a bunch of the first run of the original uh, Wildcats. Coda was one of the um, and initial. Yeah. Team. Yeah. And I, I, I've never read any of the... I've never read the second run or 3.0 at all. Uh, I want to because I've heard it just continually gets better. Wildcats yeah. was one of the best of the initial image books even back then. It was it was more of a generalized superhero book at the time, but it was still really well done. That The whole Gen 13 program, like before and after that and all the stuff that it ties into, that sort of overarching storyline having to do with that program specifically all the books that came out of that are really good yeah um are did did do you know if those original ones are ever collected in, in hardcovers at all hardcovers yeah yeah i have no idea okay. i know i know that gen 13 is collected both the four issue miniseries and then like the first 36 issues or okay. something like that in trades but hardbacks i don't know yeah it'd be and cool also if you have an issue two of uh the first four issue miniseries of Gen 13 is worth a mint. Really? Yeah, because it had a coupon in it on the back cover for Wildcats uh, issue one half from Wizard when they were doing the one yeah, halves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people cut it out. Wow. Mm. I had that. I mean, at some point I had that. I don't think I do anymore, right? But I had that. I had I had the Wildcats one half because I sent off for it. Um, but I, you know, I was, I was the, you know, obsessive collector that I had, like, I had actually anything that had something like that. I usually ended up with three copies, right? I had one that I cut apart and then just like tossed it. And then I had one reading copy and one collecting copy. And I have no idea what happened to all that shit. The only Wildcats thing I have left is an ash can of Wildcats number one. Nice. Yeah. Somewhere. But why you look confused. Oh, the, uh, at what the hell? Ash cans ash are can? me. Like they're about the size of that Uncharted. Okay. They were little mini comics, and they were always in black and white. And they, they were used specifically to ensure trademarks. Yeah. Oh, okay. You don't have all the production costs. You don't have the coloring that you have to pay for. You don't have the same printing costs. I mean, everything, but you have published a book that contains those characters, so you are continuing the trademark just as if you'd published a normal comic. Mm-hmm. Huh. So strange. So uh, we're going to talk about ash cans, <laughs> and what they're used for is for trademark purposes to protect the IP... <laughs> Oh man! No. 
No, honestly, is that all you're reading then? Yeah, that's so. all I'm reading. But Andy is a mintat, it's straight up. First time I met him, yeah, he knows information, can do calculations in his head. How do you keep all this stuff in your head? I don't sleep. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I living computer. We're just smarter than you, Joel. <laughs> well, I, I mean, understand this. Yeah, yeah. That's I all have all of that smartness brain. I've got the chart that proves this, by the way. But it's taken up <laughs> by a combination of literary theory and the entire text of Wayne's World. <laughs> was always, yeah, I'm not going to go into that subject. Never mind. Andy, what are you reading? I'm reading Wayne's World. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the only thing that I've read this week um, was Kick-Ass number two, issue number three. Which has been five months since issue number two came out, so I was like, okay, I'm trying to figure out what hurdle Mark Millar was trying to work <laughs> his way around and what caused the, uh, the storytelling aspect to, you know, be delayed. I mean, maybe there's some critical scene that was rough to write. And I think that well, Mark he Millar... Just had to, he just had to spend some more time, like, denouncing his uh, his affiliation with Grant Morrison. Cloisting? There's... There is a, a distinct point, and I understand what it is. So uh, there's a reveal in issue number three where Red Mist has taken a, a new supervillain name. Like okay. This is his big coming out thing. And I can understand where Mark Moore had a really rough time figuring out what name it was going to be. Uh, and I, I'm very impressed with how roll, smart please. his name was. It was uh, the motherfucker. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. I'm I, sure he had to meditate on I, that for months. Wait, is this because he's Oedipal? Like, did he... Because his dad's dead now. It's, there's, there's no good okay. reason. It's for Mark Millar. Like. Mark Millar. Look, we've we've gone over this. All right, we talked about the first volume of Kick Ass. Yeah. Look, it's just I'm did losing you, faith in him. Did you guys ever talk about the interview with Rolling Stone? That Grant no, we Morrison haven't. Did. That's what. Oh, that was so Amazing. good. You saw that, right? Yeah. Oh God. What? It was an interview that Grant Morrison did with uh, Rolling Stone, where he talks about the fact that. Um, he basically mentored Mark Millar oh, yeah. into uh-huh. his career, right? And at some point, Mark Millar, becoming you know popular, decided that he needed to you know venture out on his own and not be associated with Grant Morrison. So he basically just started ripping Grant Morrison apart and uh, totally denying any association with Grant Morrison at all. And Grant Morrison was surprisingly classy about it, but there were still some parts where he, it was hilarious where the, the interviewer asks him, um, Edinburgh. So you, you both, you both live in Edinburgh. So do you think that you might, uh, uh, you might run into him at some time? And he's like, yeah, I could probably run into him. And when I do, I hope I'm going a hundred miles an hour. Hey. <laughs> like, uh, burning bridges. Yeah. It's not the same thing as developing your own professional, Right, identity. you could you can develop your own identity without shitting all over the guy that got you there. You it, know, it's like it's like the baby bird who wants to fly out of the nest, but instead torches the nest and <laughs> cuts off and its mother's wings. Yeah. <laughs> you can fly, or I can murder you. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's um, I really used to like Park Millar, and it just I haven't I can't think of anything truly redeeming that he's done in at least. <sighs> Since the Ultimates, yeah, I love Kick Ass. I mean, I hate Kick Ass. Uh, Okay, we've we've talked about this. I know. So the thing, the thing with Mark Millar is that 
he's great in other people. He's okay in other people's universes. If you hand him like the Marvel universe or something and let him write uh, within the boundaries of someone's universe, then he can do just fine with it, which is why he was really decent at the Ultimates. The Ultimate stuff was really good. Logan is brilliant. Yeah, right? You get him doing his own thing, and it's shit because he's one of the most unimaginative writers I've ever ever read. Wow. It's kind of like George Lucas when he didn't have Joseph Campbell. uh, Yeah, Uh right? Fuck George Lucas. What? Yep. I'm just, yeah. I'm just Seriously. Did, uh, did they ever finish Nemesis? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was meh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Years spent in writing and development and... Uh, you know, that one came out pretty much on time. It was only four issues, though. Yeah. And, uh, oh, God, who's the penciler and the, the drawer? <laughs> the drawer. For that one. Um, <laughs> McNib- Steve McNiven. I mean, he's, oh, he's, he's so good. Class. I've got a drawer and a tracer so good. and a color. Because he's the guy that's doing cap right now, right? Yeah. Oh, so good. He's a very talented gentleman. I've been reading Planetary mostly, actually. I'm, I'm trying to get finished with it. I'm about halfway through the third trade. Uh, Do you know I'm, who the fourth man is? Yes. I'm at the point, I, I'm at the point where um, I just read the Sherlock Holmes issue. Nice. And How do you defeat Dracula? Yeah. <laughs> Freezes, freezes him and then him kicks him, him in the, the crotch. crotch. Kicks him in the crotch and snaps off his entire like genital area. <laughs> I like how Sherlock Holmes is like, I've been wanting to do something like that to that man for years. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was my, my favorite? There were a couple of really, really good stories in there. I liked Monster Island. Um, I really liked the Kung Monster Fu. Island was really good ghost story that took place yeah. in China. Um, when, I, you, when you finish it, I will tell you what my favorite one is because I don't want to spoil it okay. for you. Joe, I w- would you agree that that last story, though, is really good? Yeah. I really, really liked the one w- in Australia um, That because that's one of the ones I just read where they awaken the, the old god under Ayer's rock. Oh. And he like, I don't know, I, the, the, the story was kind of dumb, but when they, when he, when they defeat the, the ship that the four are on by the giant statue standing up and crashing into it, <laughs> like yeah. bumping his head on it. <laughs> it's like, that's awesome. Have, uh, have they started dealing with the four then? Yeah. 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 Have there been any resolutions? No. I, like I said, I'm. It's at this point I'm. I'm about halfway through the third of four trades. Um, that so means like I can't six issue eighteen of twenty four. Yeah, so it's the story all blends together to me. It do, well, and it, it does, and it because of the fact that it's like it's written in vignettes rather than like a continuous yeah. storyline. It's like not. It's kind of hard to figure out where you are. It's supposed to get more more cohesive towards the end. Yeah, because you know, it's telling a. A story about you know taking down a big baddie. So yeah, once you finish it, like mm-hmm. we should. Oh, it's too it's too much to cover for the show. But I, I do want to chat with you. At some I don't point know why that it, I don't know why it would be too much to cover. You know what? Maybe I've read c- it once. It's just been a long time. I've read the first three trades anyway. Uh-huh. So I would be down for. We could just do a really long show. I mean, or do two episodes. Yeah. You know, two episodes covering the same thing. That would be fine. Anyway, uh, I'm three also hours reading. of me yeah. jerking off and like this is amazing. <laughs> so <laughs> let me tell you all the reasons this comic book is fantastic. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Um, when I was looking at, uh, it's a chronicle of pop culture. I, I've looked at lists that talk about like the best comic books ever written, and and Watchmen is always for some reason way up on the list, even though I think it's horribly dated it's and it's so kind of and it's like it doesn't really flow very well uh i would put planetary 
way high on so far my list of like the best comics ever written. It's in my top. Five. It's so good. So I mean, I think Planetary in some ways like took some of what Watchmen was doing and yeah. updated it. Yeah, to some degree, which is fine. That's that's I I I enjoyed it. I'm enjoying it. I should say. Um, Joel's all classy with no. a brandy sifter. Yeah. I also read... I'm, I'm still drinking reading. whiskey in a can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still reading Powers. And I... But, you know, whatever. I'm still reading Powers. And I'm also... Um, I just read the new Justice League number one, which... Oh, let's talk about the new 52. Yeah. Uh, How do we feel about that? One, so, so there's, so there's, neutral, but, there's one thing. The, the thing that I'm going to say uh, before I get into any critique of, of Andy's facial Justice League is precious right now. <laughs> the the thing I'm going to say before I get into any true critique of the of uh, the new Fifty Two or of Justice League is that the the problem that I have with them releasing Justice League first is that the reason why those team books worked ever in the first place was because they, they had, had already established team? right they had already established the individual characters and gave them a reason to come together like it was almost always they all have their own individual foes and then somebody comes up that's too powerful for any one of them to deal with on their own they band together to fight this big baddie and realize that they can work really well as a team and then they form a team um it is since then there have been team books created without that background because the the whole superhero team is something that's pretty common in comic it's books. It's a now, trope at right? this point. Right. This is not one of them though. Like yeah. the all of these characters are so strong on their own and they need some sort of lead up into that. So if they were going Who to is release on the team. It's uh well total the total team is the Flash, Batman, Green Lantern, um, Blah, 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 blah. Superman, Cyborg? Cyborg, and Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, no. What? I really want to sum it up with uh, an email. I know that you read it, but I got from a buddy of mine, Rich. Uh, he sent out an email to me <laughs> on, uh, I think it was Tuesday, maybe? No, it was Monday. Um, and it's, so I uh, read the new Justice League number one, and it was shitty. That's the entire email. <laughs> That's all of it. And that Done. perfectly sums up my opinion. It just and and a lot of like the newish fifty two. So, so I've talked they, to new-ish. people. Did they get rid of Aquaman? He oh no no no! Aquaman's in there. Okay. He's just not in this issue yet. Okay. I, I've, Aquaman I've, is a pescatarian. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have any uh, like used to go to the ocean, so they just knew like yeah, well we got other members. Where are they? Uh, I've talked places. You know, around. I've talked to a few people about this book, and a lot of there's a lot of people. You know, reading more into it than there is, right? There's a lot of people who are like talking about how you need you need to know the background of the characters to understand it, and I don't think that's true. Like reading, I try to read it as fre- with as fresh a mind as possible, and it, it's a start like like any other you know team book. They're they're introducing characters and they're kind of like throwing out some ideas. My, it, it's not. It has nothing to do with the reboot of the DC universe, or whether you need to know the background, or whether or not they're doing a full reboot. It it has to do everything with. It's just badly written. Like it's just really. It's just oh. not. It's just not good. Who wrote it? Jeff Johns, okay. who is normally a fairly Excellent. decent writer. Excellent writer. Um, and it reeks to me of of interference. Yeah, like it Thou reeks shalt to me. Write this way. Yes. And get it, these concepts. It reeks to me of of we have to have a Justice League book that works into the reboot, and you have to figure out a way to make it work. Mm. And it didn't. So 
I don't know. And and I just think it was a mistake for them to for that to be the first book that they release. You know, because they're they do started the new fifty two, and the only two books that DC released, the only two monthlies that DC released this week were the last issue of Flashpoint, Flashpoint five, which was the you know the destruction of the old universe, basically, effectively the whoa, end, whoa, whoa, the whoa, end whoa. of what? it. Spoiler, not alert. destruction, end, whatever, oh. and and then and then Justice League one, which was the first of the new fifty two released. It's a mistake to make it Justice League. I think that was a terrible idea. It should have been detective or action, in my opinion. Like, I'm, I'm just it saying, shouldn't have been a team book. I was so excited because I thought that Justice League was going to come out next week or you know five <laughs> days from now, and there was going to be these six glorious days that there was not a single DC comic <laughs> in publication. I was going to tell other people's kids about it because I don't plan on having kids. They're like, <laughs> I can remember the six days where there was DC continuity. They were glorious. It was just amazing. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. Well, all uh, your I dreams to, are dead. I went to, like, they did a midnight launch for this shit, which... Really? Yeah, they did like a midnight launch where it's, you know, 12.01 a.m. on Wednesday. They had parties at different comic shops and stuff, which, as my, you know, I'll, I'll shit on it because I think it's a dumb idea. The other half of me is like, oh, it's kind of cool because it gets people to go to the comic yeah. shops and do something fun event. at the comic shops and exactly. make it an event, which is cool. Uh, I mean, but, I have gone to a Midnight Harry Potter release before, sure. but the thing is, I don't know if... if Justice League number one yeah. is worth a midnight release. Well, and that's the funny thing about it is that it's only... it. I don't think it would work as an event to draw in new people. No. Because the only people that are going to show up to a midnight launch for this are people who understand what's going on with the new 52 and the relaunch of the DCU, uh-huh. right? So you're going to get a whole bunch of people who already read DC Comics coming to your shop. They're not. They were not allowed to sell any Wednesday releases other than those two because there's the 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 rule the rule that Diamond puts out is you're not supposed to sell the Wednesday releases until your normal opening hours on a day on the Wednesday, right? So they, they couldn't even they couldn't even sell other comics that were releasing that week uh, until see, later that day. You guys so. are thinking of like these concepts that are, you know what and I'm thinking more pragmatical. The comic book that I go to is in downtown Seattle. It's kind of a ghetto area. The comic book? The comic book store that I go to is in downtown <laughs> Seattle. It's a rough neighborhood. I don't want to go there at midnight. I'm going to get mugged. <laughs> Andy, <laughs> only suburban book. white males between the ages of 12 and 25 read comics. Don't you know that? Yeah, yeah. but my comic store is kind of in a ghettoish area. <laughs> so as I like walk to the comic store, I have to pass through something called reality. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. And the guy who's selling oh, crack on the corner on that, at actually. you know 1 a.m. is going to be like, Yo, white boy, what you doing here? <laughs> like, please don't stab me. I'm delicate. <laughs> I have organs. I wonder if I could Solid like crack. pretend like I'm crazy. Be like, pretty lady, give me your hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the things okay. we do for comics. Okay, so I I got a question for you guys. So, how do you find new comics? Because I know mostly I just go back to like my tried and true okay i know this writer i know this artist i know this line but how do you pick pick like new if you have a good store yeah and you go there frequently they will learn your tastes okay. like for yeah. instance i've got um aaron and casey uh at my store who I'm, i've been going there for four years now so if they see something that they think i'll like they'll be like hey you might want to check this out it's comparable to titles x y and z and it's done by this guy and i know you've read anything about him before mm. right 
And that's yeah. how I found out about it. Okay, so it's not a case where you're just like, oh, pretty pictures. I'll, I'll pick this up. Sixth Gun. I had read, um, oh, not Sweets, but uh, what was the... Um, the Damned? The Damned. But you know, it didn't strike me as memorable. And Casey was like, hey, you need to read this book. It's going to be the next big thing. I'm like, all right. And then I told you guys about it. Yeah. Dang. A lot of it is... A lot of it is, that I get into is from recommendations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot me of too. it is... Uh, I read a lot of comic media, so I'll read reviews. I'll read, you know, I follow people. I follow a lot of authors and artists on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, uh, like, I follow most of the IGN Comics editorial staff on Twitter. Okay. And there a lot of recommendations come through those kind of things now. Uh, years ago, I would get into new comics because of, you know. Titties. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, sorry. <coughs> the. <laughs> anyway. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's almost entirely recommendations at this point, um, okay. and knowing what I like. The the shop, uh, the same with me, the shop that I go to, I've only been going there for s- less than six months, and, well, maybe, yeah, about six months, and they're already, they already know my taste, and they recommend stuff to me, and they know to, uh, Comics Dungeon, okay. yeah. But, um, one other thing that happens bum. is, I said, but, um, bum, bum. Ah, uh, uh, <laughs> that's a chestnut, sir. Yeah. Uh, one other thing that will happen is, for instance, um, let's say Jason Aaron is going to be writing uh, Hulk coming up pretty soon. I'm gonna. And read you want to have Jason Aaron's babies, right? Like, so I much. understand that. <laughs> I'll be I'll be the wet nurse. Uh, so, like, I'll read that, and if a storyline finishes, I'll read the next storyline, no matter who writes it, and if that person is good. I'll probably start looking for other stuff they've they've written, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or if the artist is you know well not so much the artist but I'm not a big art person. Okay. I I pretty much do a combination of recommendations. This one time I started podcasting about comics, and then I met people that knew a lot about comics, and sometimes they tell me stuff. No. Um, cool. But aside from that, like it's to, I don't quite have the like hey you need to read this a relationship with my comic book store yet. I'm sure I shall. Do you go to Arcane? Yeah, I go to Arcane. That's a great shop. It is, and they have they have a really tasty shelf of like things that are good that you should like. Yeah. Um, and you should like the tooth was on that shelf, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like just their their store design and my knowledge of what publishing lines and artists and authors I like mm-hmm. kind of informs what I go for. Okay, because I, I really don't know, so I, I either like, hey, this looks pretty cool, or I just try every once in a while venture out and buy like a comic, and sometimes they're just not very good. Sometimes they're excellent. Yeah. Know? But mostly it's, it seems just word of mouth or the websites, internet, that kind of stuff. I will rarely buy something without a recommendation. I think the last thing I bought on site just because was Elias the Cursed and Meta Barons. Yeah, it was it was a, you know, it's a it's an Italian, I think. Uh, French. It's, no, it's not French. It's, it's French. either Italian or Spanish, I it's thought. French. It's French. Okay. Um it was it was interesting and uh Obvious. very different, but mm. it was it was fun and it, so is it Dejarovic as well or no, um I don't remember. I don't remember. So, whatever. It's Elias the Cursed. It's it's by um, humanoids. Uh, so um, the 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 only piece of like comic news right now is that Wonder they announced that WonderCon is moving from San Francisco to Anaheim. No one cares, and no one, and either no one cares or 
everybody that wanted to go to WonderCon no longer wants to go to WonderCon, which is the that's the camp that I'm in right now. I was I heard a bunch of people talking about this year's WonderCon in San Francisco, and I was like, oh sweet, that sounds like a cool con. Maybe I want to go to that. And then they're like, moving to Anaheim. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah like new to six real quick. Anaheim doesn't have the Angels anymore, do they? Uh, the, the Anaheim Angels of baseball, Los, Los Angeles. Angeles or whatever. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. I have no idea. I don't pay any attention to Anaheim. The only thing in Anaheim is Disneyland, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's that's the thing. Like West I Hollywood, that's where it's at. Like, why why the fuck would you put another comic book convention? Like, why would you move it to Southern California at this because point? Because California has right? eight billion people. Well, that's true. So yeah, and oh, there was one other piece of news, and that was a uh, Superman's bulge apparently Saucy. his super package yeah. have you seen his super package Ooh, that's a that's the new that's the new almost su- rivaling bowie <laughs> <laughs> the new superman costume does not have the red underwear anymore um that's why he had the red underwear before he's going yeah. tight jeans. made out of well, actually so he <laughs> didn't impregnate women nearby <laughs> Well, and actually, somebody uh, somebody mentioned to me uh, on Twitter or, or said on Twitter that uh, it's not that he doesn't have the red underwear; it's just that he's wearing them correctly now. <laughs> so awesome! Um, but yeah, it was like it apparently took him a while so, to figure out Earth customs. It, it apparently started this big deal. People are going ape shit over the fact that Superman has a cock. And on the planet of Krypton, we say hi by shaking cucks. <laughs> Much well, like you humans do with your hands. There, there, was, uh, there are opposable digits involved. <laughs> so, somebody yes. said something, something that I really agree with. He's like, Superman, it's Superman. I, he has a bulge because men have bulges. I don't want to watch a movie about he's, super eunuch. He's greater <laughs> than normal men in every <laughs> single every way. way. <laughs> Is that porn music? That's the best I can do. <laughs> is that supposed to be? <laughs> wow. You, you want to you give it a shot? Do something better? Brown chicken, brown cow. That, that's, all you, that's all you got to do. Brown chicken, brown wow. Yeah. You know, they got the rhythm. Not the enough guitar. bass, Andy. So for the last two weeks, we've been reading <laughs> Colin Bunn and Sean Lee and Matt Kintz. The two- I'm white. What do you want? <laughs> uh, the Tooth is uh, It's a hardcover graphic novel. I would actually qualify this as a graphic novel i guess with a gimmick because the it never existed in individual issue format so um it's a an homage how how was it put like homage? An, it's an homage it's a homage it's a homage uh andy uh says i, I thought like, it was I thought it had to do more with like the old EC stuff from like the seventies, sure. but Colin Bunn uh, thought it was more. Well, his intention was more along the lines of Werewolf by Night or what was the other one? Man Thing. Man Thing. Like hero horror. Um, so it's yeah. it's. Uh, I don't want to use the word gimmicky, but I'm going to say gimmicky uh, because it's a little gimmicky. That's fair. It's it's drawn in in a style to and and constructed in such a way that it looks like an old a series of old. 
70s comics, you know, that the paper is kind of worn and there's like handwritten stuff on some of the pages and they put a lot of old, like old style advertisements for, you know, mail order shit in there and like the spine of it looks yeah. like uh, if you'd taken a bunch of comic yeah. books and yeah. taped them together. It's like the, they had a whole theme or an idea that they wanted to go with and they ran with it. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that was, it was pretty cool. You know, it was, it was kind of an homage to a kid buying comics. Wait a minute, a homage? No, oh, homage, homage. That's a fox pass, okay. dude. No, okay. it is the epitome of, um, <laughs> of uh, you know, old comics. So, um, I thought it was a, I thought it was an interesting, like, it was interesting enough. I bought it uh, without recommendation because I saw Colin Bunn's name on the front, and Colin Bunn, like, it's odd to me because Sixth Gun is spectacular it's one of my favorite top five favorite comics mm. uh some of the other stuff by colin bunn that i've read has not it's good but it's not as it doesn't have as it i don't know it's just not as good as the six gun to me like the six gun is kind of like his you know his it's definitely thing. his wheelhouse yeah yeah, yeah was, that's kind of like being um oh my god what is citizen kane it's like comparing other films huh. to citizen kane yeah right I mean, because like, cause like yeah, I read six, his or Citizen Kane, you know, it's it's really good. But these other these other movies just they're not. <laughs> no, I I read um, his run on Batman, Superman, Batman, uh, which was it was an interesting run, but it was definitely one where it was there was time travel involved and everything that he did got erased. So it was like it, there was it was just one of those things. Maybe I didn't like it because I don't like those particular types of storylines where they just. They build in the retcon from the get-go, <laughs> right? They're just yeah. like, hey, I can do whatever the fuck I want because it's all going to get erased at the end and nothing when, matters. When Crypto ate Jimmy Olsen, <laughs> they should have kept that. Um, but the tooth, the tooth is an interesting... If, you, if you're into the old comics or if you even have any history with them at all, it, that gimmick actually works pretty well. They The... Speaking from without going into the writing and the art at this point, just the construction of it, the way they did the yeah. the gimmick, it, it's one of the, it's pretty well done. It's, yeah. it's so well thought out and put together. Like I, yeah, get it gets points, extra points for me because of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. As someone that doesn't read much in the way of superhero comics and especially not the old superhero comics, I thought it, like it worked well for me because. For one thing, whenever I read Marvel comics, I kind of feel like I felt like when you read the tooth and you're like, oh boy, there's like five series that came before this that we'll never know. <laughs> um, but I thought like the the key for me is the whole the whole setup. The first pages are like little yeah. little Matt Kent creator person, you know, little implied narrators drawings of the of the tooth. In like on graph paper in elementary school, mm. you know, uh, with a, with the note the, in high school needs more shading. I got the two the, the the stat sheet the for stat like sheet. for like, like D and D. Oh god, like you remember awesome. when you were making up I've magic cards before, in middle yeah. school? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when you turn no. your favorite fictional characters into magic cards? Yeah. And Joel, Luke, and I were not in middle school when magic came out. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. um, I started playing. Alt unlimited magic when my sophomore year of high school. So wow, yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying. Time ago. It, it the, the the drawings going along with the like aging of the implied narrator. Yeah, culminating in this like uh, sort of B movie adult written story. It reminds me a lot of uh, the Escapist, the comic okay. book based on totally. Cavalier and Clay. Yeah, 
Lancelot fights the tooth, but realizes that he is good, so he stops. Martak's captors made Marion and tortures her to make Lance fight. He secretly loves her, even though she's married to his best friend, King Arthur. Can, can you say it was me behind the door all along real quick? <laughs> I, I, I Wait a minute, I, I love, thought you didn't want to mix no, podcasts. I, 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 I love that jackets. shit. I love, that, I love it so much. You can go back and listen to it Son then. of a bitch. <laughs> no, it's, you know, it really is if like some kids decided to get together and make their own comic book you know yeah. that's what it seems like and then even on the back when it gave the bios of the the artist you could you could see um you can see where they had the little kid pictures and whatnot so it really is kind of hearkening back to when they were kids and when they really loved comic books and yeah like what was the comic book you would like to make when you were a kid and this was it now, they it even had the little ads in it too and the 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 mailbag. Oh, and the mailbag stuff is brilliant. Yeah. The mailbag stuff is really necessary is it the to long, make it, is it function. The long tooth or uh, the tooth hurts. The tooth hurts. And it's here's one of the things. Here's one of the things that I loved about the uh, about the the um, letters pages is that they're called the tooth hurts. But as with every comic book, and this is some this is one of the things that I picked out as a memory from when I was a kid. You read the letters columns, and invariably at some point during the run of a comic book, they changed the letter column name, and they they even they point that out in here where the letters column is called the tooth hurts, but everybody who writes in is saying dear nothing but the tooth, right? Like yeah. and that kind of stuff is awesome. Like they the that stuff is really well thought out in this yeah. book. Yeah. I don't know. I. I you were saying something about it being necessary for the function of the book, like I, for it to function. I think so, in in you know, in part just because of the overall shtick, but especially at the end when there's like the exciting um, parody missing issue. Oh yeah, and yeah. like everyone in the letters column is writing like about it, about it, and yelling about it, and some people are like singing its praises, and some people are like, I don't know about that freaking. Brian Hurt guy, what was he on about? <laughs> it's definitely you. Definitely have to pay attention to everything that's put in this book, uh-huh. not just the story. Because like before issue thirty six is there's the like the wish list of issues that the kid yep. has, and thirty seven is marked as really hard to find. And then you read issue thirty six, and then thirty seven is missing, right? Like, mm-hmm. and then they talk about it later and. Uh, they just put a lot of a lot of love and thought into the crap that uh, they did for for the supplemental material in the book. So yeah. I, I, I want to talk for one second. I'm going to throw in my equivalent of Anne's in grad school thing. When I wrote my comic book, one thing that I really did very similar to this was the style of the old 70s stuff. Like if you look at the, the logo and whatnot, yeah, I, yeah. I think that is just the coolest shit on yeah. the face. Yeah, it really is. I agree. I mean, making something look that old school... Is yeah. it's just it's very talking. successfully yeah. like yeah. I because I've seen them try I've seen comic books try and do this kind of stuff and fail at it mm-hmm. like I, and a, a, as a perfect example um, in current comic books is the Iron Age stuff they've been doing it just it's it doesn't they fail at making it look like what they're intending it to look like right they're trying to make it look like old 80s comics and 70s comics and it just doesn't it didn't work right it didn't have the feel this really captured the feel and made it and completely they they designed it really well even with the ballpoint pin of the the names yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it's just it's really and the little the little sticker sticker. over the price Mm -hmm. for the actual price of the hardcover is pretty awesome yeah, I thought I thought it was really really well handled. It's, I mean, like if you look at this book just from a, a visual 
perspective, it is flawless. I mm-hmm. I yeah. can't think. The my my one fantastic. complaint maybe would be the Oni logo on the side. If they could have somehow figured to make that like a stamp or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. That is the only thing. I think they have to do that though because of the fact that like in order to defend their trademark, their logo has to be a certain a specific way. logo, a specific logo done. Right. Specific on the way. back though, I thought they did it very well as as like <clears throat> the the, the writing and the lo- and the only logo are hidden in yes. like a group of the margin. Yeah, in the margin on like a gift it's prizes that you can win if you do yeah. something. I like I like that back page. I, I, you know what pisses me off about that back though is that they have the make money get prizes and then it's one of those sheets that always had you know that you'd see in the old comic books that have like X-ray stu- glasses, yeah, stupid shit that you could win a pair of roller skates. I want to I want to see that page. You can sell <laughs> I see what's under it. Um, Does anybody remember grit? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. I. I you're right. Like the construction of it and the way that they handled it was pretty flawless. Uh, I, I will. Ha- I will. There is one fault that I have to it that I'll bring up when we start talking about the actual writing of the book uh, that that pulled me out of the gimmick. Um, but I mean, I'll, I'll let you guys start. Like, what do you? What did you think about like the actual writing in the book and like how it was how it was presented? Um, I found that. Okay, so it has this it has this narrator that's very campy and that's absolutely necessary for the genre. Um and to my mind it was campy in kind of a like self-aware way. Like yeah. I'm aware that I'm doing a parody book and this is the campy narrator that's mm-hmm. kind of it was kind of meta. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but it, it I guess at some points maybe I was like are we going for like in like, I think real authenticity of I'm in the 70s and this is happening. I think, I think it's think like so. the perception of what the 70s were like as yeah. opposed to more like what we, mm. it was like in the 70s. Sure. I think it goes a little bit too far. Yeah. But uh, it, it's, it oversimplifies. Like if you look back at comics from the 70s, yes, they were much more simple than they are nowadays. However, this book takes it just... Yeah, hair past where it needs to go. Well, and I, I think I think the problem uh, and what Anne is talking about, and I agree with, is that there are times when they make uh, very they make jokes. Of, like the guy will make a joke about what he's saying, right? The narrator, yeah, um, which isn't something that w- would have happened, right? Like they the fly they joke. just would have, yeah, they yeah. would have just been campy and it would have maintained its campiness without without making fun of the fact that it's being campy. Um, I love it when the narrator either, well, actually specifically in the case where the narrator both breaks the fourth wall and is part of the story. I don't know if you guys have ever read Heroes for Hire, the original run from about uh, 95 or so. Uh-uh. But there's a scene where the Heroes for Hire, which is Luke Cage, uh, Iron Fist, other people who I can't think of right now because they're not as important. <laughs> in, they were on an asteroid and they got ejected out of uh, the exploding asteroid on a, a ship. And the narrator is panicking. He's like, we're all going to die. Everyone's going to die on this ship. So not only is the narrator talking to the the viewer, but they're also on the crashing crashing spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, in certain ways it can be handled properly, and I just... Th- it didn't bother me in this because of the fact that as as good as the construction of this book is and as, as well as they handled the... Um, the kind of 70s look of it 
I, I understood pretty much from the get go that it was that it was a parody and that it was meant to be a parody. Oh yeah, mm. for sure. Um, so that- I mean, you can't read his like adolescent poem about the tooth's angst and like take this book seriously <laughs> this is true it's um, deep it's got metaphors for you the understand. narration i was trying to find examples of like the places where i feel like it's doing two different things like the best example i found of like when i think it's being really effective was uh in the last issue the narration meanwhile in the bowels of caleb king's mansion a madman plays host to a damsel in distress oh my of God. course some damsels manifest their distress in the most proactive of manners and then it has pictures of her like beating up her captors yeah and that was like it was a little you know he's he's been a little snarky but it's it's a omniscient third person narrator right um it what was what weirded me out was like occasionally he would speak directly to the characters like no Graham tis no afternoon picture show you cannot leave this theater you cannot get your nickel back and that was a little weird for me because I'm like okay where hmm okay so I just noticed that the pages have the color markings yeah. yes again the the um, design on this book is incredible sorry like I you're flipping through the pages I'm like why didn't I notice that when I was actually reading it the first time and the handwritten page numbers at the bottom yeah, yeah. classic yeah I. So uh, while we're talking about it, since we're talking about the, you know, the kind of the construction of, of the, I don't know, I guess it was suspension of disbelief or the, the drawing you into the kind of the seventies feel of things. The entire book looks like it's from the seventies. It's drawn like it's from the seventies. It's, uh, you know, they, they maintain it. It's colored that way. They maintain the world. There's, I don't know about the art style itself. Uh, I don't think that's particularly seventies, yeah. but I think it works. But it works. It, it works. It, I mean, it's not specifically, but but just like, I I think it matches the type of book they're trying to do, right? Because if you look, you know, there's a lot of seventies artwork, but the superhero books were all very Kirby esque, you know, that kind of hard edged stuff. But if you look at some of the stuff like Tales from the Crypt and the uh, some of the old EC stuff and some of the, you know, man thing type stuff, the art this this I think fits a, a more into that style. Um but the the thing that I was gonna bring up is that out of the entire comic book there is nothing specific that would that would date the characters in the story like the cars don't look anything specific the houses don't look anything specific the clothing is kind of non-specific and there's one fucking scene about a third of the way in where a guy uses a cell phone oh and that that totally pulled me out of everything right i like it's I just remember one part where the guy picks up a cell phone and he's like, I don't think he actually uses it so much as he just pulls it out and is about to use it. But then, but that one scene like kind of screwed up, uh, screwed up that part of the book for me. And I was disappointed to see that because now it's like, Oh, it's, it is set in modern day, I guess. since you know, it wasn't from the seventies or something. So it's like, I don't know. I, I will slightly disagree. I, who's the, what's the artist name again? Matt Kent. I bet you Matt Kent is from the West Coast, probably Portland or Washington State. What difference does that make? That art style that is being displayed. I mean, I very well could be wrong, but that reminds me a lot of like Black Hole or something yeah. along those lines. Some of like, the old Fantagraphics. Yeah, the old like Fantagraphics stuff. Comics with an X. Yeah. Like that art style just screams to me late 90s, early 2000s Northwest comic artist. I can, I yeah, like Northwest indie, yeah. like comic, yeah. I can, I can kind of see that. Um, I, I don't know. I the the art style didn't. 
I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about the pencils or the inks, whichever. Like, the colors is dead on. I'm fine with the writing. I'm fine. I love the design. But yeah. The actual, the base for the panels themselves, it just feels too modern for the book. Hmm. That's interesting because it doesn't. It doesn't come across. I, I I know the style you're talking about, but I did. It didn't come across as, you know, quote unquote modern to me at all. Uh, but that maybe that's just me. I guess it's just different different interpretations or anal analyzations of the artwork. So, um. I and analyses, analyzations. Anal did I say analyzations? <laughs> yes. Wow. Barkeep, another round. <laughs> <laughs> I am clearly not drunk enough. Um, yeah, it. I gotta say, um, on the writing front, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just because I don't have as much of a um, a history with these particular types of like hero horror books. Mm. It just it didn't it didn't capture me it didn't like the gimmick was awesome and it was fun but i wanted in addition to that i wanted i wanted to be driven by the story to some degree and think i, I wanted to end this thinking to myself wow well, i wonder what it was about these books that really caught you know caught the interest of the author you know that that and that never came across to me it just kind of it kind of it was kind of you flat. Like it meandered a little it was bit. Like, yeah, it meandered yeah. a little bit, and it it fell a little flat. And I'm sure that those books probably did back in the day, but um, I didn't really feel the desire to go find out more about this style of comic book, which is what I was hoping out of it. You know what I mean? So we, uh, does that make any sense? Feel, like, does it feel like you were trying? You were hoping like, oh man, this is going to be another sixth gun? No, actually, um, I. I did not expect another sixth gun, but I, I, and even just flipping through it, I knew that the gimmick that it was trying to portray, but I just wanted the, um, and maybe, maybe I was expecting the wrong thing. I, I wanted a, a more definitive narrative arc and it just didn't present one. So you know? I don't oh. In the writing comics realm, I was, I've been writing a comic lately and, uh, I wrote a draft of the first issue and I went and I was like, huh, I don't think I have like a compelling enough major dramatic question. And I th almost think this is the same way. It's like it was a labor of love mm. and I'm not sure if it had a compelling enough and major dramatic simple question. simple solution for your, your compelling dramatic question. Uh -huh. If you'd feel that there's not enough, insert a fist fight. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's always titties too. This is more, more fist fights, less titties as oh, a book. Okay. I don't know. Topples fist fight? Yeah. <laughs> One of my characters an old hairy Russian woman. I'm not sure if that'd be good. <laughs> oh no, that's that's totally hot. Awesome. <laughs> hairy titties. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 oh, those are knees. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, the the one the one thing that I noticed with this is that it there seems to be some some themes with Colin Bum that. Uh, <laughs> that run through his books because well the only thing I ever read other than this is Sixth Gun. Okay. So this is this is also set in the South. You know it has it has kind of like a dark mystical um, voodoo dark magics. Did I say dark 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 magic? <laughs> dark. Yeah. Is there dark something dark about on? this? Because yeah. there's some darkness I think. And you know it the did darky darkness <laughs> of the magics of the dark. It did, it did start off with it. You know missile. the. The act, the kind of silver age of comics, you know, kind of like Kirby uh -huh. and whatnot, because um, 
It reminded me of a. I, I was reading through Agent of Shield, uh, Storinko, the the old Storinko books from like the seventies, and it reminds me a lot of that. But it it really loses it. Um, halfway through it, the narrator kind of goes away and gets a little bit more straight, or in as opposed to being in the gimmicky seventies. Hey kids! Yeah, here's your latest news about your favorite heroes. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, and I, I wish they would have been in the campiness a little bit too much. But uh, I don't know. I, it, it really just, it, it, it didn't hit me. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just more cape and cowl and I just don't remember Fantagraphics or any of that kind of stuff. But uh, it, it was too narrow of an audience that would enjoy this kind of nostalgia that it just, I just didn't get it. So I don't know that what was the, the, the old monster comics I've yeah. heard of Man-Thing and that kind of stuff, so I'm not familiar with that. The art style didn't really get me. It's kind of, it kind of reminds me of something that would be more of an adult-oriented kind of comic where more mature themes, but this is kind of kiddie themes and you know, superhero stuff. People are getting torn in half in this book. Yeah, you know, yes, they are. Like, it's so like people getting torn in half, right? Yeah. Am, I, am I the only person who actually read like the old Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror? And uh, I never read any I, of the ones you know, from like the 70s, but I have read them. I've read the stuff from the 90s, the late wait, 80s wait, and early you, 90s. You read, you read the more current stuff. Uh-huh. So I, I understand where Colin Bunn is going with this story, but I feel as... Just from my personal perspective, as a reader, I've progressed past that point. Yeah, I would have loved it as a ki- I would have loved this book as a kid. Like I would have been all over this. I would have been like, and that's that's kind of the thing. It's like he he presents it as like this was his labor of love growing up as a you know whoever this implied narrator guy is. That's his labor of love growing up as a child, and then he has like this like semi adult proposal for it. And I feel like this was the next step. Hadn't actually reached adulthood per se, but it's like this is the oh man, I totally made a fully fleshed comic book in my yeah. early twenties. Yeah. Like ten ten to twelve year old Andy would have loved it. He would have yeah. been all over this. He'd been like, This yeah. is fucking great. Unfortunately, thirty some year old Andy has read a lot of stuff since then and has evolved as a reader. Exactly. You would have loved it back then. Oh my but God. I mean it, ten it, and twelve year olds right now are a little bit more they're a little. They have a little more guile than than kids back then, and they would they would like more and flash, better colors, you know, better art. Be and this like, kind of I stuff. could draw better than this. But yes, where it's something more mature. Th- well, something more mature theme. You can deal with the the lower grade like drawings because that's not part of the story. It does it does get across the the what you're trying to get across. That makes it. <laughs> But yes. I mean, it, no, I, I'm not doing a very good job. Of it. <laughs> but it, I mean, it does it does convey the message they're trying to send. But I think kids that would enjoy this kind of story would like a little better art. See, and I don't think this was. I definitely do not think that this book, with its gimmicks, was geared toward kids in any way, shape, or form. I, don't I think, think, so I think it's nostalgic. I think it's geared towards people in their late 30s who read these sort of comics yes. as kids. I would agree. However, the material would only be enjoyed by people who were kids as they were kids in the early 80s, late 70s. Right. Um, it's almost like he's too successful at going at what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> that, that might yeah. be true, actually. Like, um, Because that's. I guess that's what I wanted out of it was I want – Knowing, walking into the book, knowing that it was a parody, knowing that it was a that was an homage, and that it wasn't actually those old comics, mm. I wanted 
all the gimmicks and all of the art style and all of the crazy handwritten stuff and the ads and everything. And I wanted to have a more cohesive, more interesting storyline that um, that gave me some of the intelligence that that I expect out of the comics that I read now. See, it's very, in my opinion, it's very hard to get the tricks that you would do as, as a writer in the, let's say, in 81 mm-hmm. for a horror-based book are not going to work with an audience of today if you want to make the book smarter. So either you, you can go one way or the other, but you can't do both. And Colin Bunn, I think, with writing a book that was so close to his or, you know, his ideal, it's not his variation on the subject. It's the subject again. I'm, yeah, not, saying yeah. that, I'm not saying that he's, you know, he's aping... or Well, he is... He's aping something to the point of he's taken... He's distilled the original ideas down to such a point where he understands them and he's written a new story that should have been published 30 years ago. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That was way too literate for me. I needed to talk about something. <laughs> like talk about titties. Titties, man. Have, have like, another drink. You know what's weird? That's a brilliant is, I'll be right back. I've, I'm sitting here flipping through the book and I, I, cannot find, I cannot find the page with the guy that had the cell phone. It was it the... Me. I found it. It was the woman oh, okay. um, when they're approaching the old mansion. She's like, oh, no reception up here. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, that's right off the bat. Good. I'm glad that I'm not crazy. Page no. eight. Because I thought that I was, I thought that I was going nuts. But oh, you're right. She does it. Good. Good. So, okay. um, an idea like a, a book that doesn't have the presentation of this, where it's not, it's not designed as, you know, a seventy esque horror hero book. It's just a straight up. This is what the natural progression of. Those old Vault of Horror stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comes, Pigeons from Hell by Nathan Fox and oh, I can't remember who the writer is. Okay. Uh, where it's just, it's a straight up, you know, there's an old house in the woods. It's three issues. A bunch of teenagers go there. A bunch of teenagers get murdered. A mm-hmm. couple of them escape. Okay. It's, that is the natural progression of the old easy stuff. Okay. This is a continuation of it. 30 yeah. years after the fact. I'm... I really want to... I mean... I don't know. If you if you were into these kind of books when you were a kid, it, it's fun to read through this once to see the gimmicks mm-hmm. and to read... You know, to read all the... Sup- the supplemental stuff is so much better than the actual book itself. Yeah. Like the, the letters Se- pages and the advertisements. Best and supplemental sections I've ever seen. Yeah. Alan Moore did a book called uh, 1985. Okay. Um, and it had the best fake ads within it. One's like, why you know English so good? Come to correspondence <laughs> oh, yeah, school. Yeah, I've you, seen you that. Seen yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I think that it's, an in- it's interesting for its construction, but I don't think that it, if you're reading it f- for the story, you're not going to get anything that you really want out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I don't know. It was gratifying to me to read, um, not necessarily for like the story, but for the experience of like, huh, if I were this like fictional ideal reader of this book, I could see exactly why I would be super into it. And yeah. uh, unfortunately, you'd have to drop about ten years and yeah. a gender. <laughs> right. No. And sometimes, sometimes that's how I feel reading. Ten like, years chronologically. 30 years in the overall time scale and right. their gender. That's what you need to lose. Right. And t- sometimes I feel that way when I read like 
when I try to get into like canon Marvel stuff. So unless I have somebody like, for example, we were talking about like how do you find books? If unless I have someone like Andy who can be like, okay, here's the five, you know, sections of Marvel canon that you should read, or mm. here's the you know two sections of DC canon that you should read. Um, it's just like it's two? overwhelming. One. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus, Andy. Uh, <laughs> I've got a giant murder boner for DC. I will be the first to admit that. They'd be like, we're canceling all our books except for Batman. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think like, unless you grew up steeped in it, sometimes it's hard to get into. And, and, and this is what we strive to combat in our lives. And by we, I mean me, is like, um, you know, introducing people to exciting mm-hmm. titles that are not necessarily steeped in like, 80 years of real or fictional canon. Yep. Yeah. I can just see that now. Can you explain to me the Age of Apocalypse story in one sentence? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the sentence. Nope. Yeah. Uh, no, I know. Really, paragraph? I really wanted to I really wanted to like this this comic because it had everything that I remembered about comics. It had it had old um ads that I liked, everything about that you loved about comics writing these little fanfics, I guess before fanfic was fanfic about your about your two about your superhero, you know, but it the story itself, the actual meat of the story just wasn't there. You know, there was really the characters really weren't that interesting. The the tooth itself, it it is pretty interesting that you have this living tooth that pops out and rips arms off. You know, <laughs> but that's that's pretty much it. Um, and. And it, it, there was some some parts in it that were just got a little too ridiculous, like uh, guard dogs that turn into vampires. Like, oh, <laughs> what? Okay, I can understand, but it just got a little too much for me, especially at the end. So then, buy bar or burn? Uh, well, you can't. I, I give. You've been yeah, giving it the whole time, but okay, yeah. okay. My name's Luke, and if I'm not talking in the center of attention, I get pissy. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, pretty much. I got. I, I will give Clemon credit. Um, I understand what he was going for, and having read the original material, there wasn't much story to those. I mean, it was just a medium for yeah, you know, action monster attack. Oh my God! There's a vampire. I have to turn into another worse monster in order to defeat it. So my buddy in high school wrote this parody comic, and all I I don't I don't remember the names of the characters. It was like a space epic, but all I remember is that like at the end of every issue, he would be like do like previews and be like next time we will fight bad guys that look like this and the explosions will look like this uh, did he ever flip the panels <laughs> no <laughs> well sometimes he could have but <laughs> the enemies will look like explosions and the explosions will look like pig crab things <laughs> <laughs> there you no. go but so um no, i can appreciate no what content. colin bun's done unfortunately i think as um a reader that i've progressed past that point i would have loved this book as a kid and I can appreciate this book as an adult who was a kid who read this sort of book. Uh-huh. So, now I put my two cents in. Please go back to the buy, borrow, or burn. Buy, borrow, or burn. For me, buy. For anyone else, borrow. Borrow. Uh, yeah, borrow. Borrow? Borrow. Yeah, I think it's a solid borrow all the way around. That's the way it is for me, too. Yeah. And, and the reason why it's borrowed because I like the idea about it, the story, not so much, but the idea and everything, nostalgia and it, the memories that come back when you're looking at this kind of stuff. Yeah. Everybody would remember, but the actual, yeah. If you break it down into its component parts for what it's aiming for, 
like if you you know buy borrow or burn based slowly on those criteria i would say buy for all of those however there's not there's like this intangible has the the reader progressed past this point as a reader for, for it just me, wasn't that filling for me it simplifies down to the reason i would say borrow is because i probably won't read this again yeah. i would i read it once and i enjoyed it and the gimmick was cool and now i'm done and that's why I would say borrow because I don't think it's got I don't think it's got much value to rereading it, you know. So other than the little Easter eggs that they have in the stuff that's not the story, the ads in the mailbag and yeah. uh, the supplemental. That's material. the only reason why I occasionally get and read really old comics. Honestly, like you, fear. You, you need that to read um, nineteen eighty five by I think it was Alan Moore and The Escapist. Yeah, uh, those are both very, very similar books to this. Isn't they're presented in a way that it should be an old comic, but it's not. But the Escapist has like a lot of content. Yeah, the, the Escapist is really hard for me to explain without ruining. Right, I would just recommend it. Right. So it it's it's just like Iron Age, right? Like Iron Age. Uh, no, don't read Iron Age. Do not read Breed Three. So, oh, this has Jesus been your public Christ. service announcement. Yeah, no by shit. Luke. Got it. If you want to read a perfect, uh, a, a perfect homage to a bad '90s comic, because it is a bad '90s comic that's read made into a, <laughs> <laughs> They're bringing back Evangeline for fuck's sake. <laughs> that's a name. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, you can get this if you do want to buy it. It's twenty four ninety nine retail. It's a hardcover trade uh, graphic novel, and um, that's the only format that it comes in. So uh, you can probably get it on Amazon for cheaper, or you know, go to but don't get it on Amazon. Go to your local comic shop if you're going to buy it. And that's right. Support your local stores, fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, our next show, we're going to be doing uh, American Vampire, uh, Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque, um, with the a side so story. Good. It, art's so good. With a side story by Stephen King. Um, it is, uh, what? Uh, I, I read the singles. Yeah. What about it? There's no side story. There's no Stephen King? There's no Stephen King side story in the singles. It doesn't have the origin story of Skinner Sweet? Oh, that's that's Stephen King's part of the story. Nice, right? Yeah, the stuff that takes place back when he first becomes a vampire is all the stuff that Stephen King wrote. I love Skinner Sweets. So yeah, because uh, he's a bastard. So uh, it is uh, a Vertigo. It's a Vertigo book, right? It is a Vertigo. It book. is a Vertigo book. Yay! Uh, and that's what we will be covering in two weeks. Uh, there will no longer be a contest on this show. I'm tired of fucking. T- I'm tired of trying to get you fuckers to write in for a contest, and uh, I win. Uh, yeah, we win because we get to keep the hundred and fifty dollars worth of comic books that we were going to give out. So, this, well, I mean, uh-huh. we did have the one winner, but eh. they know about that. Oh, so. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was, you know, yeah. There's just no interest after that one time. So seriously, right? We got we got that one influx for issue or for episode six, and then nothing, nothing since then. So I don't know. Um, did any of you guys have anything you wanted to touch on before we uh, wrap the show up? Uh, Apparently not. No, wait, uh, wait, wait. Oh, pounding on table. Shit. Uh, <laughs> guys, talk for a second and let me think. Uh, I just <laughs> want to say I 
I watched the new Thor movie or kind of old Thor movie, and it actually was really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. explained Valhalla in a way that I could actually understand Physics. it because I never really understood. Yggdrasil. Any of that shit. Say it. Say it. Yggdrasil. Yig- Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. I, I'm glad Yggdrasil. that. <laughs> I was glad that they. Um, I was glad that they just kind of foisted off how everything happened on on him explaining it by saying. Technology and magic exist simultaneously, yeah. and that was it. Right? There was never any other explanation, and I was like, "That's awesome! That's perfect!" Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we, like, we call that the Mister Fantastic solution. Deus Ex Machina, and here's your solution. <laughs> right? It, works. it was really well done. So, did you think of what the point. fuck you wanted to you wanted to say? I can't. It does, it's, and it doesn't. It's matter. not important. As my dad would have said, if you can't remember, it's probably oh, not that important. Mighty Thor, read it. Oh yeah, Mighty Thor's great. It, it goes all the way back to Kirby stuff, where it's basically Thor and Galactus chilling on a planet, talking about how boring it is to be a god and how much it sucks. <laughs> it's great. I don't like angsty god books. It's not angsty god; it's whiny god books. <laughs> and it's not like I can control people's dreams and smoke cloves. Oh, so yeah, American and Vampire next fight. show. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Review us on Zune. We are on Zune now. Uh, so um, you can follow us on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod. Uh, me, I'm Geek Elite. Andy's Mathtastrophe. Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. Joel is Superfly. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was that now you can get all of your Geekerific content in one feed. If you go onto iTunes and look up uh, Geeker, if just type in Geekerific.com, it'll come up with the Geekerific Podcasts feed, which will have uh, every episode of both Trade Secrets and After the Fact all in one place. But Luke, will it include things like our PaxCasts, which were neither show but both? Yes, it will. In fact, you will be able to get every show that we produce all in one place on one feed. Would that include the upcoming After the Fact version? Versus Trade Secrets Podcast? Yes, it would. So, uh, like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Tumblr at tradesecretspodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, the, there are no longer forums on the website, so I'm not going to bother with that part. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, you can email us questions at tradesecrets at geekerific.com. You can also tweet us questions at tradesecretspod. You can put questions up on the Facebook page. Uh, every episode, we will try and announce what we're doing for the next episode um, as soon as possible and have something up there so you guys can ask questions and be part of the show. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Joel. Hey, no problem. Thank you, man. You guys, Marvel versus Capcom versus Vertigo. Ooh. I am Luke and that was painful. <laughs>